You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Years ago, scientists discovered a way to clone dinosaurs from viable DNA preserved within the fossil record. After a few mishaps along the way, the process has stabilized. Today, it's the museums that have gone practically extinct, as shrewd investors have turned those initial dinosaur sanctuaries into bustling theme parks, true meccas for dino fans the world over. In Dinosaur Island, each player takes the role of a park manager at one of these premier destinations. You've been handed the reins to a burgeoning operation. Bring the fantastic creatures of the Jurassic, Triassic, and Crustaceous periods forward into the modern day. Early retirement is yours if you can make the park bigger and better than the competition. Hold on to your butts. This is the Tabletop Arcadum's review of Dinosaur Island. And of course, it wouldn't be Tabletop Arcanum if it wasn't for us, your hosts. Justin. And Ricky. <sighs> Dinosaur Island. We talked about this in a couple episodes uh, that we were going to before that we were going hey we're going to play this game review it give you our thoughts on this game and then you know christmas new year's your birthday all kind of happened and took up some time so it took us a little time to sit down and actually play this game and we finally got mm-hmm. got around to it and playing it so that's what we're going to be talking about today but as always we're going to start with a roll recap i'm going to let you take the point on this one all right so i was reintroduced to nerds play a lot of nerds if you're not familiar with nerds? I don't think I'm familiar with nerds. It's kind of like solitaire, but a lot of people are playing together. And when you get aces, you put them in the center, and you're trying to take the cards that you have in front of you and put them on top of that. Oh. Everyone has to use a different deck of cards, and after someone runs out of essentially their starting cards, then you count up and see who has the most. Okay. Very, very old school game. A lot of fun. It's great for having a ton of people all in one one area. We played some uh, some more code names. Always a ton of fun. Ticket to Ride. Finally got to bust out my new copy of it. Ooh. Uh, so thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And then, of course, I wouldn't be able to do this re- uh, this review episode if it wasn't for me playing quite a bit of Dinosaur Island. True. Uh, true. Both with you and by myself, so yeah, we'll save those thoughts. You're, yeah, because uh, you got to te- you you tested it solo. I didn't do the solo yet, so mm-hmm. my role recap since we last recorded, last talked, um, I got to play some space base, space base from AEG. Um, got to try out the Exit series games. Um, I did the Forbidden Castle and the Sunken Treasure of those two. So those are those escape rooms in a box. Yeah, you know, I saw those today, and I was actually very interested in that. They're very well done. The thing I do enjoy about them is that there is some writing. There's a booklet that you almost, like, tear through. Or or some of the puzzles are, like, origami. Like, put these two points together, and then it turns into a shape or or number, and that gives you part of your code. And all the codes kind of go through, like, a deck. Like, oh, we got number 17. Look, at 17. It tells you whether Mm. you, you got the right code or you got it wrong, and whether you advance or not. So... The positive sides of this is it's a little bit more engaging than the Unlocked series of Mm -hmm. Escape Rooms in a Box. 
the negative side is they're one shots. You're either cutting things up, tearing things apart, writing on things. You're doing something usually in both cases to create the uh, game environment, and there's not really a way to not do that in most of the cases that I've seen. Mm. Um, so they're kind of more of a one and done. You can't pass them on to someone else. Yeah. Um, great thing about the Exit Games is they are a very low MSRP. They're like $15. Okay. So you're not putting in a huge lot of effort or money for something that's going to take you an hour for a group. Um, considering most board games are sitting at $50 plus range now. As mm. far as the more elaborate ones that you don't destroy. Unless it's a legacy game, but that's the whole point of those. So, you know. Um, played the Oregon Trail card game. It's brutal, just like Oregon Trail. Dysentery. Dysentery everywhere. Not as many dysenteries as you think, but yes, you've died of dysentery. There's nothing that you can do about it. It just happens sometimes. Mm. Just like when you step on a snake and you die from that. Um, a lot of the other mechanics you can kind of mitigate, but it's a lot of brutal. Of like You're not going to have enough supplies and, to make it, and it's a long journey to Oregon. Mm. Uh, let's see. We also played Villainous. Got to, to play that out and test that. Um, which uh, I'm going to hold my thoughts back on that one for now because I only got to play it the once. I want to play it a couple more times and um, get a little bit better going on. And uh, I think uh, we're eventually, hopefully we'll talk about that one together because I do want to play that one and yep and give it a spin. I know it was pretty popular at Gen Con this past year. Yes. It sold out pretty quick. And, mm-hmm. and there's some really good reasons for it. And mm-hmm. then there's some other reasons that I'll... We'll talk about played Suro. Uh, that's kind of a group favorite. Uh, played um, both a joust and a melee game of a Game of Thrones, the card game. Uh, kicked off the Gloomhaven campaign. Mm-hmm. Did one scenario. We've got another one coming up later this week. I'm really excited for that because this is a game that is just pretty. It's got a lot of stuff, and you just got to dedicate time to it, just like mm-hmm. those long role-playing games on your uh, video game systems. Uh, last Friday, we did. I, I did go out to the local board game night, played three new games mm-hmm. in the night. Uh, one was called Campy Creatures. That was a bidding game. Um, you play as one of the classic monster, campy monster movie tropes. Mm. And they're all kind of numbered, like... The kaiju monster is the biggest and baddest, but then the blob is kind of the weakest. And they, the wolfman, the mummy, they're all there. Uh, Dracula's. Mm. And they all kind of rank in, like, whoever plays the highest gets to take first from the uh, the the victims or the, the, the mortals, as they call them. Mm. And that you score points based on that. So, like, teenage, whoever collects the most teenagers gets more points. Um, but then there's things like... The adventurer or, or other kind of movie trope characters that mm-hmm. um, get you points too. But you can also take negative points in the game because then um, you can take like the... You can actually... Be, you can get the hunter mortal. And, well, he hunts monsters, so you don't really want him. Mm. Kind of neat. Light game. Pretty quick. Uh, we also played Scorpius Freighter from AEG. That's that Rondel space game. A lot of fun on that one. Took a little while to get going. There's a couple mechanic questions that were like, okay, how does this exactly work? 
But once uh, everybody kind of got through their first turn or so, it mm. started making more sense. And as we kind of went through the game, things just it kept making more sense as we saw the structure of the game. Uh, played a real grand game called Beta Colony. This is another Rondel game. It was like another. It was sci-fi Rondel night apparently that night. Um, it was just what we had brought and learned the mood for. Um, this one was a little bit more abstract mm-hmm. than thematic, like Scorpius Freighter leans a little bit more theme. This one leans a little bit more abstract. Um, a lot of fun, though. Mm. Colorful cubes, interesting uh, components. Um, just gather resources, do things, gather more resources, mm-hmm. do more th- One of those types of games. Played around Seven Wonders Duel. Uh, played The Captain is Dead. Fire, uh, got to try out some of the expansions for the new Fireball Island. Mm. Played it already, but then uh, my buddy picked up some of the expansions. So got to play with bees. Bees! And snakes. And a boulder. And a leaping tiger. Bees were a whole, whole lot of fun because you pour like ten little marbles into the, uh, into the volcano and it's just chaos. Um... Snakes were also pretty interesting. Tiger, Tiger is very, very delicate. Um, he's one of those like, hold your finger down and then like you release the tension and it, like springs out like mm. those plastic jumping toys or leaping yeah. frogs. So it's one of those. And if he lands and knocks someone over, uh, you get to steal three treasures. Which oh, normally when you knock someone over with like a fireball, it's like one treasure. So like this mm. is huge. It's very, very hard to control that thing and with any sort of seemingly accuracy. We launched him like three times and like he did one one of the times I like cleared the island. Another time, cleared the island. The third time, like, okay, we've been putting too much pressure. We gotta do a little lot less. And like jumped like three feet, not even onto the island. Like it was like oh So Fair enough. It takes practice. You 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 don't you don't become a tiger jumper in one day, apparently. Now. And then, uh, of course, Dinosaur Island played that a bunch with you, mm-hmm. just to, to, to talk about it today. And Arkham uh, Arkham Horror. Oh, yes. Yeah, so. um, and that's while you were playing solo, testing the mm-hmm. solo mode out. Uh, at, you were at LCG night, and I we was were just, just along for the ride. Yep. Um, I am going to jump back to mine. I did forget I started um, Hunt a Killer. Mm. It is a subscription box, episodic subscription box, but it's similar to, uh, like, Exit, where... Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I've seen a, that. Yeah. Once a month, they send you a box full of stuff. It has puzzles in it, and after the six months of the subscription, you will you should be able to have an answer to the whole game. So, okay. So it's kind of a whodunit mystery burning party over... In a box sent to you over six months. Yeah. Okay. I so, know how that goes. Yeah. Pretty excited to find out and got one done and have to wait in the next one. But uh, yeah, definitely will uh, keep all of you up to date on that. All right. So that's our role recap. Let's jump into our news. Um, so there's one thing that was announced that I'm pretty excited about in, well, they announced more things that you're excited about. <laughs> If I'm allowed to be excited about them. You are. Um, so for me, I saw and was really excited when they when Fancy Flight announced the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth board game. 
This is a campaign narrative-based game, uh, one to five players, and so it really looks like a hybrid between Descent, using the app, mm-hmm. and Mansions of Madness. Mm. So you got like this overworld map of Middle Earth, and you're going to be able to go from like area to area, and then, oh, you're attacking orcs, so it breaks that out into like a battle map with tiles and then you're doing like a tactical tile battle mm-hmm. using that. Um, so the campaign's being driven by the app, kind of like the scent does the same thing where okay. it'll break it up into uh, battle sequences for yourself. Um, that is just announced. They're taking pre-orders on it and should be out second quarter. I think is what they said. Um, mm. So I'm really kind of excited to see how that one turns out. And then, of course, they released more knowledge and news for your favorite game. Oh, yes. They announced um, some new... Um, they announced some new uh, vehicles for Legion. Um, we are looking at, uh, for the Imperials, the TX-225 GAV-W Occupier Combat Assault Tank. Now, if that doesn't sound familiar to you... Bless you. If that doesn't sound familiar to you, it definitely is the one from uh, Rogue One. Right. So, um, they are, especially now that they are going into the Rogue One minis with Jyn uh, Erso and... Right, you get Jyn um, Erso, uh, Director Kennick's coming, mm-hmm. the Death Troopers are coming. So, like, they're definitely like, okay, let's it's Rogue, Rogue One era yeah. stuff, so... That was the the really cool battle tank that uh, Jin had to def- well hide from for the most part. Yeah. At, uh, Saw Saw Guerrera. Oh yes, yes. That yes, Saw's yes. rebels attacked. There we go. That's that's yeah. why I'm trying to like recall the scene. It's been a little mm-hmm. while since I saw Rogue One again. Um, probably should fix that because I really do enjoy Rogue One. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's the tank that Saw's Guerrera, uh, Saw Guerrera's rebels attack, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where like. Jin meets up with them. Mm-hmm. And then me and you talked about it because it was one of those... They have a lot of vehicles for the Imperials. It's like their militaristic order of, you know, that's in control that actually has a budget. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Weird. They did announce for um, the... Rebels, a X thirty four land X thirty four land speeder. Essentially, it's going to be the land speeder from A New Hope. Yeah, Luke, um, Luke's land speeder for 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 common common sake there. Mm, um, that'll be cool. Yeah, and so, it'll be real, that's always been like a popular toy or, or vehicle that people always like end up having. I remember playing with a land speeder like it. It's, it's gonna be neat. It doesn't seem like a military vehicle to me, yeah. but. I'd like to see how that's going to play out in the long run because tank, land speeder, not very, uh... Well, if it's anything like the actual one from the movies, it will do circles really, really well. That is true. That is true. Land speeder will probably at least be able to hold Jedis will tell you that these aren't the droids you're looking for. I don't know. Maybe. Next question. Um, but, um, yeah, exactly. It is a popular... Uh, a popular toy. I was actually um, looking to find one, uh, looking to find a model of it for any kind of uh, terrain. So right. it's kind of nice that instead of me having to find one, 
it's just going to be there. Right. So, and now you can actually use it as a vehicle, not just, hey, look, that looks pretty. Yeah. So that's kind of the recent news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Kickstarter um, has a couple, uh, one major item that I've been kind of, I, I saw and went, ooh, that's mm-hmm. really pretty. I talked a little bit about it in Roll Recrap, but um, Calliope Games is doing a Kickstarter for Suro Phoenix Rising, the third Suro game. Oh. Um, there's going to be a Kickstarter, there's going to be a retail version coming out, so no fret if you don't want to do Kickstarter, but there is a Kickstarter Deluxe Edition coming. Um, one of the neat things about it is it has a grid that you actually put the tiles on. And you can actually pop out the tiles because the things can rotate or change on this one and flip them up. Uh, there's actually like a front side, back side to them. It's kind of weird. Um, but you're trying to get lanterns and phoenixes. So the game is a little bit different. But a lot of that follow the path is still going to be there for us. Mm. And the one thing I did see that I was a little bit disappointed on personally is this like holding tiles grid thing will not be compatible with the other games. Mainly because it's a different sized grid. Oh, yeah, weak. It is, but it you know, it is what it is. Um, mm. But that's on Kickstarter now, so definitely. Um, I know. Talk to your local gaming store because they are doing a retailer level pledge that your store can get it on, um, which will get their store discount so that they get their own margin and 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 get their share of the cost. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's still alive for like another 20 days or so. I'm looking at it right now, and honestly, this might come home with me. It's pretty. So that is that is what I've got as far as news and upcoming things. Uh, anything that you have left over? No, no. I'm, uh, I'm ready to jump straight into... Some Dinosaur Island? Some Dinosaur Island. So... Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. <laughs> and, so uh, let's let's answer that question about Dinosaur Island. Mm-hmm. Is this a game that should have been created, and is this a game that should you pick up? So, innately, Dinosaur Island is a worker placement, resource management style game. Um, and... Is on the box two to four players. There is the totally liquid expansion that just came out that brings you up to five players plus a couple of extra modules. And it does also have a solo mode too. So mm-hmm. while the box has two to four, it actually is really like one to four slash five, depending mm-hmm. if you have that expansion or not. I do like that they have the stamp on here two to four players, but then right next to it, solo so- mo- mode included. Right. It's a feature. People do look for it. So um, it's important to call that out. Um, The other big thing, uh, it's about 90 to 120 minutes. So an hour and a half to two hours is a game. Mm. Um, And this is put out by Pandasaurus Games and is... So put out by Pandasaurus Games and was designed by Jonathan uh, Jonathan Gilmore and Brian Lewis. It was initially a Kickstarter, and then didn't did come out on retail. And then it was Kickstarted again when they were doing the Totally Liquid expansion, which also included the Dual Sword Island two-player game. Mm-hmm. So, like, Seven Wonders has that just Seven Wonders Duel, mm-hmm. which was a two-player version that was tweaked and changed a bit. 
Dual Sword Island, same idea. Mm-hmm. Tweaked and changed it a bit. That one is more of a dice drafting. A little bit more mechanic, but has a similar feel. Now, Dinosaur Island sounds like it is a very familiar Steven Spielberg knockoff. And a lot of the ways, first impressions of this game, it is. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to bleed 90s nostalgia. And hit all this little, like, Jurassic Park theme mm-hmm. notes along the way. And in short, it really does that. Now, you're not a dinosaur fan? Not a uh, Jurassic Park fan? You're not going to get enough out of it. Yeah. I did think the art is very pretty. It's very aesthetically pleasing. They did have a lot of really good, I would say a lot of the, uh, um, like, attractions, the restaurants and everything like that had fun, cheeky names like Rex Mex. My personal favorite is the Clever Grill. (laughs) There was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of cheesy 90s jam-packed straight into it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and... If you lived through the 90s and got to enjoy any kind of dinosaur fever during uh, during the original Jurassic Park, you will love this game. It, it is just fun to... From the aesthetics perspective. From the aesthetics, yeah. Now, um, so that's our, kind of our first impressions. It looks pretty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's bright colored. Like mm-hmm. We're talking hot pink dinosaurs. We're talking bright uh, coins. We're talking bright... It's it's the 90s if the 90s was tried to put into a box. Mm -hmm. So it does does a very good job at that. So let's talk about the setup and rules a little bit. So I kind of... I did play this game in the fall and hadn't picked it and then eventually got a copy of it because my my Kickstarter came in. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we, you know, sat down and said, hey, we're going to play this. And um, I did my personal experiment with you and said here's the rule book teach us how to play Mm -hmm. so walk us through that um first off you're gonna need a lot of time there's a lot of pieces to go through setup is pretty straightforward you just have to separate a lot when i say a lot i mean a lot um this box is jam-packed with a lot of stuff. You did get the Kickstarter excluder, uh, Kickstarter Extreme Edition. Um, so you did get a lot more in it than normal. I would like to see, I mean, you had the bag of just the regular, um, pieces that went with it. Um, still, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of space in the box. Um, so it's just jam packed with tokens and pieces. Right. Storage, storage is a bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but once you get everything laid out, um, it does take up a lot of space. It does take a lot of reading. The nice thing is everything is kind of just broken down in the rule book to take you piece by piece to tell you what needs to be done. Um, as long as you follow that, um, you you do get pretty... Um, it is is pretty straightforward setting it up. It's just... A lot of space to set up. A lot of separate things to set up. Um, the one thing I did like... So, there's four phases to the game. You have your... Um, 
Thank you. There are four phases to the game. Uh, you go through your research, uh, your market phase, worker phase, and then park phase. Right. Technically, fifth phase is cleanup phase, but that's just, hey, reset everything and let's go again. Yeah. Get ready for turn two or turn three or turn four. Mm-hmm. It's more of clean up everything you just did made a mess. I, I did like, um, in here, they did have an example for almost almost everything. So, if you're trying to figure out how to procure a dinosaur recipe in the, um, oh, excuse me. In the research phase, it explains how that needs to be done. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. looking at buying certain things in the market phase, it explains that. Um, the one thing that I missed, which is, to me, very ironic and kind of made me chuckle the second time I played it, mm-hmm. or when I played it by myself, are the easily uh, easily missed rules on the back. So I just completely... Right. Miss those, but if you look on the back of the the um, uh, of the manual, they actually went through and they probably had some sort of fo- focus group go through this and then watch them play, see um, if they missed anything, and then wrote down the majority of the things that are are missed when you play. Um, so that was actually really nice to see that too. Okay, just to make sure they caught all those little tiny nuances. So it takes a lot of time to set up. It takes a little bit of effort to go through the rules. And there are some things that are easily missed in it. Yeah. Um, my personal take on the rule book is it could be the font and the layout they use. Mm-hmm. Some things are very easily missed in there mm-hmm. because it just seems to be like a block paragraphed. Yeah. And not called out or highlighted like, hey, here's an example of it. Or And they do have a lot of examples of... Oh, this is the phase we just talked about. Let's show you a little bit of an example. But the just the block formatting mm-hmm. is a little rough. And I know that they're kind of going for that 90s nostalgia look to it. Yeah. But it makes it a little bit easy to miss a rule or two or three. Mm-hmm. Or when you're searching for a rule, hard to find it. Yeah. I know I had um, some trouble trying to remember the exact nuances to scoring victory points especially when i played solo versus when we play when i first played solo versus when we first played together Mm -hmm. i thought i was breaking the game because i was scoring victory points way too quick right i just it just turns out i'm good at what i do but i digress great dinosaur park manager and you should probably put your that on your resume yeah exactly i tried digging through and it took me a long time to verify that i had it correct um Because they don't necessarily point out, hey, this is exactly how you will gain victory points. It just is kind of a small little blurb at the end of one of the other um, sections. Sections. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen that. Um, So setup and rules, not the greatest. Um, Definitely need to have an organized plan of attack when it comes to getting this thing out of the box. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take a little time to bust things out, shuffle things, s- pull pieces apart. Um, they do give you some um, uh, spare bags in there, which is nice to keep like the player pieces for each color separated. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of make it a little bit easier up and going. But yeah, you're going to have a little bit of a setup and teardown time on this one. Yeah. And table space is definitely a uh, prime. It doesn't look like it's going to take up a lot. And then you start putting out... 
Well, each player gets us two boards to themselves. There's three global boards plus the card stacks plus um, the dice, the tokens, the 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 bag. All these different pieces are all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's start talking about components then. This game again bleeds '90s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, the the cards themselves are in a good card stock level. I don't feel that they're too flimsy. Or too thick. The cardboard boards and player boards and all that seems to be good hardy like board game cardstock um, mm-hmm. cardboard. Where um, I've seen games where they you know they'll they'll try to like thin out on the um, player board and it's barely mm-hmm. better than a sheet of paper. Um, these are actually cardboard all around. The dice are big, clunky, cool. Um, Amber colored acrylic dice, so very, mm-hmm. very Jurassic Park. Like we're rolling like amber stones. Yeah. Um, the dinosaur meeples are amazing, but those are a extreme edition thing. Mm-hmm. So they are definitely worth it for that. Um, as we said in our game upgrades, I'm a big fan of like metal currency now mm-hmm. in our game because. I just feel like it adds a little bit more weight, heft, a little bit more, like, substance to it. Um, the base game without the Extreme Edition comes with cardboard coin, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a terrible thing, but gets the metal coins for yourself, because, wow, they, they really that enhance it. really, honestly, sitting sitting there and playing with those metal coins uh, felt just good. It felt great being the, able to clink them around. Right. The other big thing with the uh, Extreme Edition is there are a couple extra plot twist cards, which are variances on your game. Mm. Um, a couple extra objectives that just aren't included in the base retail version. But I don't think they're such a necessity. They're more like, here's a nice little extra um, purple die that might be get, might be added into your game. You mm-hmm. might have VIPs added to your park, which are uh, a third type of visitor. Um so that is all different things. They also put the uh, UV box and the metallic ink on the Extreme Edition. So the mm-hmm. box pops a little bit more. It's a little flashier looking. Not a game breaker for me. It's no. cool. It looks great on a shelf. looks great on the table. <clears throat> but if I had the regular edition, I wouldn't be too, too mm-hmm. upset about missing out on that. I'd probably miss the, the dinosaur meeples more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would have liked with their components mm-hmm. is an updated manual explaining that it does not yeah the the extreme edition comes with a standard 2.0 rule book because they did gloss up the rules a little bit from one first edition mm-hmm. after rock not knocking down the rules of already a little bit this is cleaned up yeah but it doesn't talk about if you have the extreme edition here's the extra things that you're going to have in the box it's going to say you have 10 hoodlums you actually have 18 Actually, I was looking into um, hooligans. Mm-hmm. Uh, even on the box, it says we're only supposed to have 10. Right. With the Extreme Edition, because they even go into the VIPs, they go into all the extra information. Um, the So me and you spent some time trying to figure out what's up with these extra hooligans. And right. um, even when we started flipping through that information... Then we got a little more confused because they describe the um, patrons 
um, as, as being gold, and then the hooligans as being yellow. Um, yeah. They ended up making them pink. The VIPs, they made purple. Right. We were trying to figure out where did these people come from, what are they doing, what's going on. And there so. is, they did, Panasaurus is nice enough that they did put out like an FAQ and an errata that does clean up some of that. Mm-hmm. But definitely, if you don't realize that exists. Mm-hmm. Just going through the box and the component list in the front of the manual and flipping through and seeing some of these mis- misdescribed components in the rule book, it is very confusing. Yeah. Components, though, uh, I would give them definitely a, a good high mark on the quality of stuff that got put in the box. There's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. The, the price tag is a little heftier on this one. But you are getting a lot of stuff out of this box. Um... We also did forget to mention probably the greatest thing that they put in for the Extreme Edition. Extreme Edition. The first player fast pass slap bracelet. Oh the nineties are screaming at us. You know, and it's and coming growing up in the nineties, um, I can tell you, this is one of those high quality slap bracelets. Oh, yeah. Not one of the ones that like Fall apart after a week, yeah. After the first slap, and now it's cutting you. Yeah. Because it, it's cheap metal, and the shell around it was cheap. No, it's actually one of those higher quality ones, so I was really excited that mm. that was what they uh, upgraded for the first player marker. Otherwise, you get like a token with a little uh, amber mosquito. Mm-hmm. You know, also very appropriate, but not as cool as a slap bracelet. Yeah. Let's talk about the gameplay. So, game set up, we finally get to take our first turns, and... It's a, it's a four, like you said earlier, it's a four phase game. Phase one, you're gathering your resources, taking turns. Mm-hmm. Um, turn two, or phase two, now you're buying like attractions or uh, lab upgrades or hiring staff mm-hmm. to give you new, new unique powers. Um, and both of those are kind of done in player, player order. So like you go, I go, you go, I go sort of situation. Mm-hmm. But then turn th- or phase three ends up happening, and that's a simulta- That's where the worker placement kicks in, and then all of a sudden, now we're just kind of playing our own little mini game. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, I'm gonna get the spend this, do this, upgrade that, do this thing. All for phase four, when we reach into a blind bag and pull out little tiny plastic meeples of people, and hope we don't pull any pink hooligans mm-hmm. because those jerks don't pay, and they cut in line. And they hide from the dinosaurs when the dinosaurs break out and try to eat people. They're just terrible people. Nah. You know, makes room for paying customers. Come on. So, I really enjoy the gameplay of this uh, Dinosaur Island. As much as of, of a pain, the setup, and, and, mm-hmm. and getting everything ready to go. Once you're in it, it's fun. Yeah. And there's very little downtime. Mm-hmm. Because you're... For phase one, phase two, where you're actually taking turns, are very fast because it's you place a you place a scientist down, you get the benefit, and then it's my turn. I place a scientist, then it's the third player's turn. They like mm-hmm. and just kind of keeps going, and it's more of like okay, here's our first stage of worker placement of who gets what scientist slot first. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing goes for the buying in the market phase. You you gotta pay attention because the thing you want may not be there if you're like third pick. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you kind of go through and like, okay, did my engine work? Did I get the right pieces of the puzzle together to make this thing work in, in such a way where mm -hmm. I'm going to make more victory points than everybody else? Um, so what are your thoughts? I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, both in, um, the two player and in the solo mode. Mm -hmm. Um, it, how's solo different? Let, let's. So solo, uh, between the original, um, when you, right after you set up the board, you draw a card, um, from a solo rules pile and it essentially tells you um, what you need to discard between um, dice that you roll, um, available items in the market phase, um, available dinosaurs available in the research phase. Okay. So it takes a lot of, out, um, and there are um, several mechanics that change as well. Um, you mentioned how... Dinosaurs could get out and eat the uh, the patrons. Yep. In the solo mode, or in the multiplayer mode, if that happens, it happens. You take those uh, everyone back and you throw them straight into the bag and you keep going. Mm -hmm. In the solo mode, if that happens, again, the patrons are eaten before the, the hooligans. But if they're eaten, they're taken out of that bag. Oh. They no longer go back in. Really? So... Granted, you only have three, yeah. Unlike in regular mode, patrons who are eaten in solo mode are not returned to bag. Instead, they are removed from the game. Oh, man. It's, so like, they it's, were it's like they were actually eaten and they're gone yeah. forever. Um, so there's a lot more extra on there. I thought, personally, I had broken the game. Um, but it just turns out that I'm fairly good at it. I will say there are a few things that could be cleaned up with the um, solo mode cards that they come with, the objective cards. Okay. Um, there were a few things that I did miss on that that were not in the easily missed uh, rules, but then I went back and redid uh, to make sure that I did it properly. Okay. Um, but... Otherwise, both both were enjoyable. I don't know if I would go out of my way to play by myself. It's it's a lot more fun playing with someone. Just gotcha. kind of seeing. There's a lot of setup to uh, for that payoff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and there's just a smidge more setup and a smidge more for the gameplay when uh, you're playing in solo mode. Yeah, because you kind of add a whole another le level to everything else. Okay, I can see that. Um, so, but otherwise, playing it was playing it was very very enjoyable. Um, it is interesting to start sitting there and thinking about what you're going to be doing, how are you going to achieve building this theme park, um, and being able to see all the other tiny little things that pop up. The the fun, like I said before, the fun little. Um, amusement rides and all that. There are questions that we had to ask while playing the game, like what happens if you um, have all these specialists on the board and then you get rid of one. Um, and we had to look that up, and that is if you have to fire, quote-unquote, fire a specialist, um, that you're going to lose uh, those benefits that they received. Um, 
including the extra worker that some of them give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was the real question is those extra workers are, are, are beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I don't know if they... You lose any bonus. Oh, so you do actually lose an extra worker if you fire someone. Okay. Yeah, they grant you an extra worker and you fire and you end up losing them later in the game because you only have a limit of three and you get rid of one of the ones that has a yeah. worker marker on it. Yeah, you lose access to that worker. Yeah, meaning we both didn't have run into that issue, so we didn't no. see it this game. So No, it was, it was a question of what happened. And we figured it out, but it's definitely like in those rules where you had to dig a little bit deeper to find that. Mm-hmm. Um, so replay value. I say there's lots of replay value, um, or at least a, at least a pretty decent amount of replay value, um, because there are um, a ton of specialist cards. There are a ton there's a of... lot. Yeah, the the permutations and randomness of this game are huge. Yeah. Um, because even at the beginning, you get X amount of dice out of the, the total amount of dice it comes with to mm-hmm. access for that game. Then you have uh, two plot twists, which are a deck of cards that you get to modify your game yeah. with. The objectives change every yeah. game. So there is a lot of different shape and different thing. The general gameplay is going to flow the same way. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of variance in how the game is going to work and how your game is going to be a little bit different from the next. Um, also based on what dinosaurs pop up and what act, you know, what things get rolled mm-hmm. and how you're going to react to all that too. So yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of replay value hidden in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get the totally liquid expansion added on with the different modules from that, mm-hmm. there's even more options and more things you can potentially mix into the bag. Yeah. So finally, um, I guess to quote a certain, uh, Dr. Alan Grant, Mr. Hammond, after careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. True statement or false statement for Dinosaur Island? I would choose to endorse this island. Um, I would suggest at least starting off, they do give you the three levels of uh, length, short, medium, or long game. Mm -hmm. Definitely start with that short one. Because the first game that we played... I had no idea what I was doing. You kind of, I don't know if you necessarily had a full grasp on it, yeah. but we're both just kind of staring at the board like, well, I don't get what any of this does just yet. Right. A short game gives you a very nice taste. It literally lasted us three rounds. Yeah. But within those three rounds, we learned a lot and went, okay, great. And then could jump into a medium length game mm-hmm. where we had more rounds to work with, had more, okay, this is how this affects this. This is where I need to plan oh, crap, I'm out of money, or, yeah. or I need more dino DNA, whatever uh, the, the the hitch in our giddy-up was. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend this game as well for your 90s nostalgic worker placement. If you have a dinosaur fan, um, I would not recommend this game if you don't like fiddly games. If there is too much going on in a game and you want a nice, clean, simple game or easy to set up and easy to take down game, this is not a game for you. Yeah. Um, there are some great videos out there on how to play Dinosaur Island. So if you're not one to read rule books anymore, because that's now a new thing, um, definitely check those out. They will help you through the setup takedown. Um, 
and I would probably encourage some sort of clever um, organizer or, or system for this game. It's, it's really needed. Um, I think that if you find a way to pack it in such a way and then a box and where you can take it out, take it in very easily, mm -hmm. that's going to help on those setup and takedown times. So that's my two cents. Uh, definitely, I enjoy it. Um, game amount of players doesn't really impact that choice. It's fun at two. Um, I like Dual Sword Island too because it's a little bit different mechanics. Mm -hmm. where a two-player Dinosaur Island or two-player Dual Soul Island scratch different itches with the same 90s nostalgia, so I'm okay with either one of them. I would I would say um, the sweet spot, I think, is three or four players. Um, I did play a five-player game. It's just a little too much going on. Mm -hmm. But if you have a group that normally shoot, shoots at that five-player mark, it's not going to be um, a terrible experience for you either. So. Mm -hmm. That is what we say at Tabletop Arcane. I think this one gives us a pass for now. And we will definitely be keeping it on our radar. And Pandasaurus has put out some uh, other great games. Um, the Mind is another one that I had uh, played during uh, the Christmas season. That was a lot of fun. So definitely a company to keep an eye out open. Because they have some uh, great people working for them making these games. So... That's our review of Dinosaur Island by Pandasaurus Games. And next time, we're going to be talking about Nemesis. Oh, I am so excited. That game just looks so pretty. It looks so and terrifying only, and so pretty. It, it's, it's not Aliens of the Board Game. But it is. Yeah. On um, the inside, we all know. We know. But... We'll be able to tell you. It's just like this isn't Jurassic Park, the board game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Nemesis by Awakened Realms will be our next review. We'll be looking at that and getting to play a bunch of that as much as we can and giving you guys our thoughts on the game. So until next time. Hey, just keep listening. It's uh, easier than rolling off a log. No, that was terrible. It's easier than rolling off a log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood, it's log, it's, it's log, log, it's, it's better than bad, it's good. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.